Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, thank you. Uh, happy Mother's Day to everyone, especially to my baby, 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 baby mama. All right. <laughs> we got so many kids. Yeah. Uh, we were actually walking down the street the other day, and this guy saw me, and he just looked at me, and he was like, uh, all them your kids? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he was like, who to mama? And I pointed at Natalie. And he was like, blessings from God. Say your prayers, brother. Say your prayers. So. Uh, yeah, happy Mother's Day. Hey, mothers really are uh, the heroes of the world in a lot of ways. And in fact, I loosely want to talk about that today and even tie it in to the end of our Sovereign series. And so let's jump off and kind of finish that. Um, I hope that this series has been a blessing to you. I hope that it's been encouraging to you. I hope you're excited to start Philippians uh, next week and um, just hope that God uses that in the way he's used this. Um, and so I would encourage you, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, flip over with me to the book of Romans is where we will be today. If you don't have a Bible, pause the video, grab one, open your phone. We want you to be in the Word, okay? Um, women really are uh, the heroes of the earth. And in fact, Paul and the Bible at large, they seek to go out of their way often to honor women, particularly in a patriarchal society that didn't naturally honor women, uh, in fact, it was all throughout the scriptures where you saw it was a woman that was going to bring the Messiah into the world. And so you see this hope that builds over and over throughout the scriptures. And it was actually through their suffering or through their labor that salvation would come to all of us. And so literally, women have this backdrop of the story of the gospel in and of themselves naturally. And a woman is why each of us exists today. We all exist because of the labor of a woman. And so even like we talked about last week, how suffering brings life, so that is true even in our own existence, that the labor of a woman brought life over into us. In fact, I love uh, Paul Bunyan's classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. It's a book written uh, about a, a, a man that is on his journey towards heaven. And at one point, his wife, who originally doesn't believe, but then later comes to faith and is following him in that journey, she stops and she feels like she uh, isn't as honored as a woman. And this wise man named Gaius, he's speaking to her and he says this in the book. He says, I will now speak on the behalf of women to take away their disgrace. For as death and the curse came into the world by a woman, so life and health also came into the world in the same way. God sent forth his son made of a woman. It is clear how much women who were born later detested what the first mother did. You can see it and how much the women in the Old Testament desired children for they looked forward to the fact that this or that woman might become the mother of the Savior of the world. I will say it again that when the Savior came, women rejoiced in him more than either man or angel. I have never read about any man giving even one coin to Christ while the woman who followed him ministered to him out of their means. It was a woman who washed his feet with her tears and a woman anointed his body at the burial. It was a wo woman who wept while he was going to the cross and women stayed with him as he hung from the cross. Women also accompanied his body to the tomb when he was buried, and women were the first to be with him on his resurrection morning, and women were the first to bring the news of his resurrection to the disciples. Based on these examples and more, it is clear that women are highly favored. 
I love that, right? Especially considering it was written in the 1600s. Yeah. And so it's clear throughout the scripture that God uses women in a unique and in a special way, often because others around them do not value or honor them the way that they should be honored. In fact, it's clear to me, not just throughout scripture, but even in our own world, that God still has favor on the oppressed. He still looks upon those who are downcast in different ways. Now, you may say, what does this have to do with sovereignty or the coronavirus? Okay, great question, all right? Uh, last week, we talked about being used by God, uh, seeing that God is still moving in the world around us and calling us to be participants. We said over and over, God is not silent or passive, but he is active in the world and wants to use us to bring about salvation and sanctification and beauty on this earth. And I want to end the series by kind of doubling down on that today because often what happens is when we hear things like that, we begin to think that God can't use us. And what happens is, is we spend more time in our heads trying to disqualify ourselves than we do looking to the God of the universe who has already qualified us in Christ. And so literally, I want to use Mother's Day to really help us that just as we've been shaped by our mothers in a lot of different ways, even though they may not be the center of attention, they don't have the center stage or the platform that they were the pivotal players in our life through their faithfulness. And though possibly not honored by the world or even honored by their own children at times, uh, God sees all things and he will rightly honor them one day. Furthermore, for us, we may not think we're doing a whole lot in the kingdom. We don't feel center stage, like we don't have this value. But just like the mother who is faithful throughout the child's life to bring them to adulthood, so us who are faithful in the kingdom, we will bring about the kingdom and not much more glory. And so I want to see that today because often what we do, it's actually way bigger than what we could expect. Like, think again about a mom as we kind of enter into the scriptures here. Is the mom using all of her gifts at all the time and always serving in these monstrous ways? No, usually not, right? Like, usually she actually goes in just regular service in unthanked ways, nobody really seeing her. She's just making food or teaching the kid how to do math or trying to not beat or slap her kid as she exercises self-control <laughs> while she's teaching her kid about self-control, right? <laughs> Amen, okay? Uh, it's no massive moment, right, that kind of forms a child. It's the faithfulness year in and year out that equips the child to be adults in this world, so too with the church and the kingdom. It's usually not some massive moment that we tend to think of in our heads. It is our faithfulness year in and year out that will bring about the beauty of God. And so I want to look at some sections in scripture today to encourage us. God is not passive. He is not inactive. He is ready to move on the world right now. And like we said last week, he wants to use you to do it. And I want to show you how simple acts of faithfulness can actually bring about that glory. So I want you to flip over to Romans chapter 12. We're going to uh, read verses 3 through 8 today. And I'm going to have my good friend and well OG, uh, Mai, read that for us. Hi, Well fam. My name is Mai, and I am a part of the Well as a Covenant member, and as well as the Far East group, and I am also a part of the Usher team. Today, we're going to be reading Romans 12, 3 to 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are 
one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mai. Hey, so the first point for us today that I want us to look at is that God wants to use you and has given you gifts to that end. In other words, to use you, okay? Uh, If you're a Christian, then the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is God, which means you have the power of God inside of you, which means that the same power that rose Christ from the grave now dwells inside of you. Come on now, right? Like this is good, good news. And so you may think that you don't have anything to offer for the kingdom, but that would be a mistake. And that would actually be you proclaiming that God is weaker than he actually says he is because God dwells in you, which means you have things to offer the kingdom. And so this is important that we ought to understand God wants to use us and has already placed himself inside of us in gifts within that, that we may be used by God. And when you practice faithfulness, slowly but surely, you will bless the world for the glory of his name. Each of us, we add value to the body, even when it doesn't really feel like it. You see there, uh, if you look on your screen, it says that we ought not think of ourselves more highly than we should. And so if you're tempted to think your gifts are awesome or better than others, stop it. All right, you ain't dope, okay? (laughs) Just say it like that. Uh, You may think you're dope because you're the feet of the body, but what good is the feet if the knee or the hip decides not to function like it should? We all need each other in that way. And so we ought not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but also look on the screen. You may think you have no value, but each of us has gifts according to the grace that God has given us. And so if we think our gifts are worse or invaluable, we're saying that the grace of God isn't valuable because it's the grace of God that gave us those gifts. And this is dangerous and faulty thinking because what it's really saying is that God gives bad gifts. And that is not true. Each gift is actually a reflection of himself, and each models him in different ways. So what we're really saying, if we say we don't have much to offer, is that certain parts of God aren't valuable, and that's actually blasphemy, friends. Like, God is perfect in all of his ways, which means we need each gift to represent all of who he is. So what we do is we tend to highlight a gift like preaching, and we're like, oh, I'll never be able to preach like Tori, okay? But you sure as heck don't want me leading you in worship, right? <laughs> like, ain't no intimacy with Christ if that's what my role is, okay? Furthermore, like, I have to flex and labor to try to serve well, because that's just not something that comes naturally to me. But isn't Christ a servant? Like, isn't that one of the biggest things we see about him? And so, like, as the body is coming together, now I actually get a bigger picture of who Christ is. I think about different people in our church who exercise this gift of serving well. I think about somebody like Matt Weegers, for example. Um, His gift is honestly encouraging to me, and many of you have benefited from it, and you don't even realize it. And so, literally, if you ask Matt to preach next Sunday, maybe he would get a little bit nervous and like, I don't want to do that, right? I don't know. Maybe he's dope at that, too. I don't know, right? Uh, But while I have been trying to use my gift of preaching, Matt has labored away both pulling the trailer when we were still at Campbell and serving in children's for the past six years at our church. 
And so all of this labor and this faithful serving actually allowed you to hear the word preached in the first place. The whole body is coming together. And as he models what it looks like to be a servant of God, he's actually imaging Christ in that way. And so maybe he's not the face of the well, if you will, but he's like the shoulder blade, right? The face of the well may be one thing, but try to do any labor without the shoulder blade. It ain't happening, right? He's carrying in a lot of ways. And so each of us has gifts that we can use to honor God. You are valuable in the kingdom of God because you have God in you and he is the most valued one. And so you don't need to be Huli or Adam. You don't need to be Stephanie or Anthony or Mary or whoever to be used by God. You just need to be faithful. You just need to be a Christian. And as you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit gets put inside of you, and that faithfulness makes much of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, I want to keep going, right? Verse 6, it says, use your gifts. Don't miss that. Verse 6 says, use them. So that means you have to be active. Let's use them. But let's keep going. Let's flip over to Romans 15. And we're going to read verses 28 through 32 there. And I'm going to have my brother Hunter Goodrow read that for us. Hey, church family. My name is Hunter Goodrow, and I'm a covenant member and CG shepherd for the Weber East Community Group. Uh, super excited for the day we get to gather together and looking forward to where we all can be in one building side by side. And today I wanted to share with you a passage out of Romans 15. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Love y'all. See you soon. Awesome. Thank you, Hunter. And the second point is that God wants to use you and has many different ways to do this. So not only are there a ton of different gifts and each of them different, and as we use them, it makes up the beauty and complexity of our wonderful God, but also there's a lot of ways for these gifts to be exercised. So just because one can teach doesn't mean that they should then go be a preacher, right? Like they may teach classes, they may lead community groups, they may uh, be beast at discipleship or uh, build in that way. They may write, and that's how they express their teaching, or more commonly, they may actually take those gifts into the world and begin to teach in different ways to bless the world, to make it look more like the kingdom, all while building relationships that they may win some people to Christ and build the church that way. Like there's many different ways to use even one singular gift, right? And so you see here in that passage that some people collected money for people that were in need, which means people made money, natural, maybe even spiritual gifts were being used to make them money and then they were generous with it. Now, some people probably practiced the uh, just command to be generous and they gave, but some people actually probably had the gift of generosity and gave over and above those means. And by that, they were blessing the church. And as they gave that money, you probably had some accountant that counted it and then somebody that gave it to a traveler that brought it. And you see these different gifts being used in that way, right? Paul, he himself, he expects to be used by God to be a blessing. You see that there on the screen? 
Others, you see there, are praying, Paul literally believing that this would lead to his deliverance and therefore being used by God in this way. And so maybe the reason that you have some of Paul's letters is because people actually practice intercession, and as they begin to serve God in that way, it actually did lead to Paul's deliverance, and therefore he was able to further the gospel ministry through people's prayers. We also see hospitality there, which was refreshing to Paul, it says. In fact, some people were hospitable, some people were generous, some people were prayerful. Each of those things ministering to one individual that he may continue on his gospel proclamation around the world and preach it to others. There are many, many others and many ways to be used by God. And so what we do is often we think if we're not preaching or if we're not leading a community group, then we're not being used. And this is just a lie, family. Like so often we think about things that we can't do in ministry. And by thinking about what we can't do, we end up hamstringing ourselves for what we can do for God. And so we need to realize all these different ways that we can give and therefore not count ourselves invaluable. And so God loves you, and that's very, very clear, but he doesn't just love you. He also sees something valuable in you because he sees himself in you, and he begins to use you in ways that highlight the beauty of his name so that you can build the kingdom, and he gives you the spirit that this may happen, that you might partner with God, be a co-laborer with God, the scripture says, I think sometimes the enemy, he makes us want to believe that somehow we are uh, unpleasing to God in a way. And so we need to stop and realize how our serving may actually be building the body in profound ways, even beyond our recognition. Like notice in that passage, no one who housed Paul thought that they were probably doing that much. They probably didn't feel that important, if you will. But it was through that refreshment that Paul had endurance for ministry that led him to write 2 Timothy so that we can then preach it last winter and be encouraged by it. That started with somebody's hospitality. This thing that we would count small. No, there's all these different ways to be used by God. These people are just serving, not even realizing how they're impacting the kingdom at large. But it is their faithfulness here. And so maybe you should even stop and be encouraged at the way that God might be using you to build the kingdom at large. Now, for sure, don't get me wrong, you can definitely not walk in the will of God, and you could be sitting on your hands and not doing anything for the kingdom. Get off your hands, serve the Lord, okay? Use your gifts, as the last passage says. But even small acts of faithfulness, they make massive impacts. You know, the smallest pebble, if thrown hard enough into the water, will actually make ripples throughout the whole pond. And as you grow in faith, it's like your pebble begins to grow bigger and bigger into a rock. And as you throw them into the pond, they turn into waves that impact eternity. And so as we practice faithfulness, God uses us more and more, and it alters people's destinies, family. It builds the church, and there's a lot of different ways that we can build the church and build the kingdom. So let's do it. Let's practice all these different ways, okay? Finally, I want to read one last passage. It's in Romans chapter 16, verse 13, and it says this. It says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Now, first of all, this is in the middle of a section with a ton of different names. And so most of you probably don't know who those names are. I don't know who a lot of them are. But they're probably key puzzle pieces that brought the gospel into Africa, Asia, Europe, and why we have it now. 
And so we need to realize that all these names, they had uh, impact in the gospel kingdom. And so while your name may be like theirs, never really known by many people, God sees what you do and he records it. And you will be rewarded for that because God watches everything. What you do in private will be honored by God in public one day. But I want to pick this passage specifically because of our third point here. uh, And it's that God wants to use you and has placed you where you should be that you may be used, okay? There's a reason that each of us are living in Austin, Texas, or wherever you're watching this from, in 2020, in the middle of a world pandemic. There's a reason that God has placed us here. Remember, God is not silent during this time. He's active. And so, as an easy example, last month, even though we didn't meet as a church gathered together, we saw six people place their faith in Jesus. And listen, yo, there's no even real way of tracking that. We're not meeting. (laughs) Like, these are just through what we've heard. I believe there's probably more than that. God is moving. He's active. You might be one of those people that entered into a relationship with God over this past month. Praise God. He's moving. And even when the world seems paused, God never pauses. He never rests. He is active. He's at work. And so God has placed us here for a reason. He wants to use us. He wants us to serve him in various ways. He's given us gifts, and he's very sovereign over where we even live. So Rufus, even though it may seem like it was just a name, it's actually really, really significant. And so I want to flip over real quick to Mark chapter 15, and I want to read in verse 21. And here is the crucifixion of Jesus. This is what we're reading in Mark 15. And it says this, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. So Simon, a black man from Africa, just so happens to be walking by when the Romans called him to carry this random Jewish man's cross up a hill. Okay, And so uh, whether it was the look in Jesus' eyes as he was carrying that cross, or maybe he stood there and watched the crucifixion and saw all the events that happened afterwards, whatever happened, this guy, it appears he came to faith. Like the reason that Mark knew his name is probably because he entered in to the Christian family. And so rather than just carrying the cross and going home, instead he carried the cross and came home into the family of God. And that's probably why Mark knows him. You, actually, he uh, purposefully highlights that he's a man from Africa because Mark, church history tells us, was the first person to plant a church in Africa. So maybe even this man's conversion was actually really monumental in Mark's faith as he began to carry forth the gospel, right? But not only this, but Mark mentions the names of his sons as if the people reading the letter are cool with his sons, like they know him in some way, right? He's like, like yeah, you know Larry, right? The one that carried the cross up the hill. You know his sons, Demetrius and Tanner. You know, they're adopted. One's white, one's black. All right. <laughs> Oh, Demetrius and Tanner. Tanner and Connor, okay, whatever, right? He's like, look, you know these names. You know these kids, right? And so Mark's highlighting this. And then lo and behold, in Romans 16, what do we see? The name Rufus again. Probably Simon's son. And so was it that he just so happened to be there when Jesus was walking, or was God sovereign? And in God's sovereignty, he placed him at the right place at the right time, led him to suffer for a moment by carrying a cross up a hill, yet through that suffering brought him to salvation. That salvation he began to pass down to his family, disciple them up in the faith. Now his family is building up the church. 
God has placed you where you are for a reason, family. And he has given you gifts in all these different ways that you can serve him. God is more in control than we often think. God is moving and at work. Do you believe it? Do you see it? Do you realize how he has given you gifts and opportunities to bless his name? You see, Simon probably didn't think about all of this. He was just leading his kids up in the faith. And lo and behold, his kids are blessing the church. And now the kid's mother, Simon's wife, is practicing hospitality with Paul that is refreshing to Paul's soul as well. In fact, it says that she became a mother to him. And so he was caring, being cared for in that way, all through this one act of God's sovereignty. And so I love this idea because you see this most clearly even in the person of Jesus. You see, in Jesus's ministry, he called the disciples to himself. Christ could have done all the work if he wanted to. He was God, okay? And instead, he invites others on mission, right? And he brings them on to be a part of it. And he actually gives a significant amount to them and calls them to do all of these works. And then Jesus died on the cross, even though he was perfect in his works, so that we who try to build our own kingdom and try to make ourselves famous actually can be paid for by the blood of Jesus and cleansed. And now we can be brought to actually be kingdom builders Builders and build somebody else's kingdom and do things that impact eternity. So Christ died for our own rebellion and how we use our gifts for our own glory rather than the good of others. But not only did he die, he resurrected. And the resurrection shows us the power of God. In post-resurrection, we see Jesus call the disciples back to himself again. And he commissions them again because it's clear he wants to use us to be co-laborers and partners with him in the kingdom advancing movement. This is what God is calling us to. He rose in power and gave us power. He rose by the Spirit and gave us the Spirit. God wants to use you, family. He wants to use you. Do you believe this? Don't spend all this time discrediting the one who's already credited you in Christ. Use the gifts that you have to build the kingdom of God. Don't spend time being so concerned with why we are where we are or what situations are happening to us. It might be God's sovereign plan to put you in a place to use you for his glory, family. And use your gifts in a multitude of ways. God wants to use you. And so even this Mother's Day, once again, moms, God is using you. It was my own mom that did so much laboring that she never got thanked for that got me here to this day. And all of us, moms or dads or single people or old or young or even children, God wants to use you to build up the kingdom. And so preach the gospel. Bring justice to earth, family of God. Love and serve your neighbor. Work as unto the Lord. Serve the church. Bless the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Hey, I love you guys like crazy. Um, Let's pray. Hmm. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are sovereign. (laughs) You are in control. You are good. You know what you're doing. And so, God, I just pray really simply that you would use us, God, that you would allow us to uh, participate in the kingdom agenda of making much of your name and bringing heaven to earth as it is in heaven. Use us, God. Let us use our gifts and understand what they are. Let us see all the different ways that we can serve you and serve you in multiple different ways. And let us trust your sovereignty that you have placed us where you've placed us, that you might use us for your glory. God, I pray your name would be highlighted. 
I pray that anybody who does not know you would realize that you are inviting them into an eternal story, that their lives are not just trying to do a nine to five to make ends meet, but that you are actually calling each of us to be eternal and to make eternal differences. God, you became temporary. You became a man and you died that you might resurrect and show you were not just a man, you were the eternal God, that we who should have been temporary may now live forever with you. And I pray that we would see that, invite others into that, and that we would be used to build your kingdom. God, thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you that you're in control. And I pray that we would place everything we have in your sovereign hands and trust your goodness, God. You are good, Jesus. We pray these things in your precious and your beautiful name. Amen. Amen.